Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, Building Blocks for the Christian Life, Rooted in the Word, and is based on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, through chapter 4, verse 5. It was delivered on Sunday, October 16th, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. you now to turn to page 967 in your pew Bibles. This is 2 Timothy. We're in chapters 3 and 4, starting in chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is used for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, for the past several weeks, we have been exploring the themes of what it looks like to build our lives um, in Christ and what those building blocks are used for, for prayer and mercy, virtuous living, and we've even covered gratitude Last Sunday, while I was at Preakness Reformed Church in northern New Jersey, Pastor Matt Schultz, our minister for congregational care, preached a compelling message on forbearance and our need as Christians to practice patient self-control. He talked about how Christians, it seems, have a proclivity for breaking up, for walking away, and I really enjoyed that message immensely. In fact, while you were preaching it, and I was listening to a later recording of it, I kept thinking about how religion will always divide us, but faith always unites us. And there is a difference. There is a huge difference. Because often we're engaged in idle chit-chat, and we wrangle over words which, according to the apostle, does no good, but only ruins those who are listening. And so it's easy for us to not agree with someone politically or you have a particular view and I don't like that view so I cannot associate with you any longer. And our politics have become totalizing 
and we're not really sure what to do with that. But is breaking up the best thing for us? No. What brings us together? Well, we look at another building block today, and that is the building block of being rooted in the Word of God. Being rooted in the Word of God. Our lectionary reading, Psalm 119 and 2 Timothy 3 and 4, focus on Scripture. The Word of God written on our hearts, delighting our spirits, and leading us to salvation. We live in a world where countless people are looking for meaning in their lives. They're looking for clarity, direction. And in order to discover their purpose in this world, they might consult a career coach or a life coach. They might go to a therapist or a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist. They might visit a fortune teller or they'll watch Oprah on TV and whatever book she recommends is the one you're going to buy for that week. And others, well, they might use an Ouija board or a magic eight ball. You know, sometimes we treat scripture like that, don't we? We treat the Bible like it's a magic eight ball. We just want to shake it up and then we're going to let it fall into our laps. And whatever the verse is, that's what God's word will be for us for that moment. Maybe some of you have, have done this. It's called bibliomancy. You just let the Bible fall on the floor and then the first verse you look at is exactly what you're supposed to think or do or believe for that moment. But here's the thing. There is nothing in the Bible to tell you which type of cell phone you should buy or which insurance plan you should take out when you're traveling. In fact, there's no instructions about who you should date uh, or who you should marry. Not directly, but if you come to an answer from Scripture, chances are that you had to do some really careful interpreting to come to that answer. I have a friend, he's not necessarily a church-going guy, but he does attend Mass periodically, and he has told me in the past that the Bible is basically an instruction manual, and he even has an acronym for it, Bible. It's, it, it stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. And he has said to me, you know, look, Steve, it's a great book. It's got Lots of wonderful things to say. It's chock full of great teaching about ethical living. And people would be wise to heed the commands to love God and to love neighbor. And on the surface, that all sounds terrific. But the Bible's primary purpose isn't to address each and every circumstance we might encounter in life and tell us exactly what we're supposed to do in that instance. The Bible's primary purpose is to reveal the living God to us and to us through God's Son, Jesus Christ. That is exactly why the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.15, from childhood... Timothy, you have known the sacred writings, the Torah and, and the other writings, the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for 
salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You ever wonder why the Bible at five billion copies, five billion copies is unbeatably the best-selling book in history and has been ever since the invention of the printing press. It remains the world's most translated, written about, and shoplifted book of all time. The average American household has no less than four copies of the Holy Bible in their homes. And it's where we learn so much about the one who claimed to be God. The one who claimed that he could forgive people's sins. The one who also said that if you trust in me, if you believe in me, I will grant you everlasting life. And so we read these words over and over from year to year, and it is to our benefit that we read scripture regularly because it's always working on the ones who believe in him. And these are the words of life. Where else are we going to go to find meaning and purpose? These are the words of life. They have the power to change us and to equip us for good works. Not so our name will be magnified, but so that God our Father will be magnified. So the Bible is more than a book. It's more than sitting down to read Don Quixote. It's more than Shakespeare. It's more than Aristotle. It's far more than Plato. It's more than any book that will ever be written now and in the future. It's the revelation and encounter with the living God. There are Many gods, many, but in the Bible we encounter the living God, the God of creation, the God of the covenant, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of deliverance, the God of compassion who binds us in love, the God of justice and mercy as we see through the minor prophets, the God of pursuant love who seeks us in love even to his own death in Jesus on the cross. Countless people serve many gods. I will name them for you. Wealth, materialism, greed, money. But in the Gospel of Mark, we stumble across these words, for what does it profit them to gain the entire world and forfeit their soul. It's why we tithe every Sunday. When you place your check or your money or your change in the offering plate, or you wire money to the church, you are acknowledging that this is just a portion of that which already belongs to God. And so, God, it's yours. I'm, I'm just a steward. You are the eternal God. Everything belongs to you. And we're reminded of that every time the plates are passed. Then we have folks who worship the God of sex and pleasure. But in 1 Corinthians, we, we read this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit with you, which you have from God? 
You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Whether you're gay or straight, you can't find anywhere in Scripture that's going to say the hookup culture, the one-night stands, the Tinder, the grinder, all of these apps that people are on for the quick and easy, convenient way to engage. That's not a God-honoring life. It's not. And in Scripture, you can't defend it because our bodies are more precious than anything And we need to be careful how we use them. We are tempted as well to serve the God of power, prestige, worldly influence. But then the words of the evangelist come to mind. Many that are first will be last and the last will be first. The Bible is more than a book. It's far more than reading Shakespeare or Plato or any of the greats. It is the revelation of an encounter with the living God. Moses experienced that encounter when confronted by the burning bush that was not consumed. And through those flames, he received a call from God. He heard the voice. Elijah, when fleeing uh, for safer horizons from the wrath of Jezebel, encountered the living God. And what do we read about Elijah? While he was caught in the tumultuous upheavals of nature, God was not in the shattering earthquake or the torrents of rain or the blistering winds. What happened to Elijah? The prophet heard God in the still, small voice that thundered in his soul. That's where he heard the voice. Where did Isaiah meet God? He was grieving the loss of King Uzziah in the temple. And he caught a vision of the true God. And he experienced God in worship. And God confronted him with a clarion call when God said, Whom will I send? Who will go for us? Oh, and we can't leave John the baptizer out of this. I mean, after all, he was in the deepest parts of the wilderness, just outside of Galilee and in other areas, and people were coming to him in droves. And John's encounter with the living God prompted him to say these words, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one is coming after me, more powerful than I. I am not worthy to Pick up his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. With all these encounters throughout Scripture, is it any wonder then for us in the year 2022, sitting here listening to this message, that the apostle urged Timothy to remain rooted in the Word, grounded in the gospel? Rooted in the words of life. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred, sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
This isn't just a book. Oh, it's more than that. The late biblical scholar William Barclay writes this about Timothy and his family. He says, on his mother's side, Timothy was a Jew, although his father had been a Greek. And it is clear that it was his mother who had the bringing up of Timothy. It was the glory of the Jews that their children from the earliest days were taught and trained in the law. The Jews claimed that their children learned the law even from their swaddling clothes and they drank it in with their mother's milk. They claimed that the law was so imprinted on the heart and mind of the Jewish child that he would sooner forget his own name than he would forget the law. So from his earliest childhood, William Barclay says, Timothy had known the word of God. You know, when I visited Oman many years ago, I was blown away to meet Muslim men and some boys who had memorized the entire Quran. Can you imagine it? Spending year after year after year ingesting, absorbing, taking in the words of the Quran to the point they could quote you any verse at any time, anywhere. And there's nothing probably more insulting to a Muslim than if they ask you a question about your faith and you're ba 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 I got nothing. They expect us to be able to engage them, not for conversion's sake, but for dialogue, for spiritual enrichment through sharing of the word. And so when they ask a question, would you be able to retrieve something if put on the spot? Helping our young people stay rooted in the word is, I believe, the responsibility of parents or legal guardians or whomever has been charged with taking care of them. And the church does come alongside of our young ones and parents and we do take a vow to help raise them in the faith. This is important. We do this every time our children are baptized. But more time is spent at home in what the late Jim Cook would call the overlooked seminary. The scriptures are a blueprint for our lives. And we teach our children that it will be a blueprint for theirs. Earlier in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, how can young people keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Call it holy determination prompted by the Holy Spirit. What more could we ever want from any of our young ones? Then there's the word we heard earlier, I hold back my feet <laughs> from every evil way in order to keep your word. What could be more exciting than to know our children have had an encounter with a living God and are walking in the spirit of truth. But it starts right here. It starts here. 
I think of Jeremiah who said, when your words came to me, I ate them and they became my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. All it takes is to grab one of the four Bibles in your homes and open it and start reading. And if it's been a while, may I suggest you go straight to the Gospel of Mark and start there. It's the shortest gospel. You'll feel good that you've read it and you made it through. But we open our Bibles, and what we're doing is we're opening ourselves to a different world, to a spiritual reality that we may never have seen before. And what we're doing when we open our Bibles is we, we're, we're opening up something to discover an unseen treasure that will change us forever. I heard about a man that owned a vineyard and and his sons believed their father to be a very wealthy man. But since he was so secretive about it, they really weren't sure where all of his money was coming from. They were hoping that they would inherit his fortune upon his death. Well, on his deathbed, he told his sons that the secret of his wealth lied within the vineyard itself. And so he died, and the boys went out to the vineyard immediately, and they started to dig And for months, they dug around the roots, believing that the hidden treasure, which in those days was a common thing, would be found beneath the vines. And they dug and they dug and they dug every, every inch of this vineyard, and they didn't find anything. They pulled up all the weeds. They carefully removed the grass. They cleaned off everything, but they couldn't find the money. But that fall, that vineyard produced the finest crop of grapes in the family's history. And then they realized that the wise old father had really tricked them into cultivating the vineyard. So instead of loping around and wondering where the money is, they were able to produce something of value. The secret of his wealth was his vines which properly cared for, would make them all very rich. And that's exactly what happened. And when you think about Scripture, you think about the Holy Bible that you hold in your hands, it's a vineyard that will produce unbelievable spiritual wealth to us. But we have to work at it. We've got to get our hands dirty. We have to dig through it. We have to read it and ingest it. And make it a part of us. Some of us are still in first grade spiritually. And we need to get into middle school. Others of us are in middle school. But we got to get to high school spiritually. And some of us are in high school. We got to get to college. And some of us may be in college. But we are now moving into graduate school. And if we're in graduate school. My goodness would you start teaching. Would you start sharing your wisdom with others. Isn't that exactly what the apostle Paul is doing. With the young Timothy. We need to read the word and be rooted in it in order to grow us. We're all in it together. So every time I spend time in God's word, which is a little bit every day, as a pastor, I'm not reading God's word eight hours a day, I'll humbly admit, but I do read it every day. And every time I engage the scripture, 
I am blown away by how differently I start thinking about situations and people. I'm inspired. I do not look at the scripture as an Ouija board or a magic eight ball or as an instruction manual. It's not going to help me solve a particular problem or make a particular decision. It's living. It's active. It's revealing something new to me about the living God. And every time you open the word, that is exactly what will happen. You will catch a glimpse, a new vision of God who loves you and wants you to grow up in his son. So the primary purpose of scripture is to reveal the living God to us. I say we take our place next to Timothy and the apostle and be rooted in this word, the word made flesh, and be transformed into good news and share that news with those around us because people are looking, they're hungry, and until we enter the picture and share something of hope, God only knows where they might turn next. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we give you thanks for this day and for this word that challenges us. We thank you for the words of life, words that show us more of who you are and why you sent your son. By the power of the Holy Spirit who is at work in all who believe, May the words that we've heard this day be so grafted within our hearts that they will bring forth in us the fruits of the Spirit to the honor and praise of your most glorious name through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.